I'm glad you're here this morning. And those who will be listening whenever this message is uploaded onto our website and on Facebook, we we welcome you. We would love to do live streaming. We're kind of out in the sticks, as they say. So the internet's kind of, eh, you know, but we're so thankful to Daniel for what he does to get this present presentation uploaded on the internet. This looks like a five-star, well, they don't have five-star churches like restaurants, but a five-star rated church website. You ought to check us out, and I'll give you the website later on after the invitation. Um, we'll talk about a man who was being chased by a tiger, okay? He ran as hard as he could, turned around, the tiger was still hot on his trail until he finally came to an edge of a cliff. He panicked. I have nowhere else to go. This tiger's closed in on him. He looks over the edge of the cliff. He notices a couple of feet below, there is a branch sticking out so far that's grown, rooted underneath the rocks of this cliff. So his only option is to jump and grab a hold of the branch. So he proceeds to jump. Grabs, luckily grabs a hold of the branch and he's hanging on for dear life. Whew. I'm away from that tiger now, he's thinking. All of a sudden, out of the rocky area, an opening comes a mouse. The mouse begins, this is not, no joke, it's no, this is no pun against you, Jennifer, at all. We know how my wife is deathly terrified of mice, and that's another uh, topic for another time. But anyway, this mouse is beginning to gnaw on the branch the man is desperately holding on to with all of his life. Okay? Already scared enough. He looks down below, and it's approximately a thousand feet down. Letting go would be a sure inevitable way for his death, wouldn't it? He looked up immediately to the sky. The only thing else he knew to do was look up. He said, dear God, please help me. Save, the, save me, save my life. I'll do anything you ask of me, he said. Suddenly, a voice booming out of the sky came down upon him and said, you will do anything I ask? The man replied, yes, I will do anything you ask. Just please save me. The voice replied, there is only one way to save yourself. He said, but it's going to take courage and it's going to take a lot of faith. Can you do what I ask? Do you have faith? The voice asked him. The man, overwhelmed with fear, realized that the branch was getting looser. The tiger was growling. His teeth was showing, just wishing and hoping he could reach down and grab him for lunch. The man, overwhelmed with fear, replied, please, God, tell me what I must do. I will do whatever you're asked. Your will is my will, he said. The voice from heaven said, all right, then, let go of that branch. <laughs> After a long silence, the man pondered, thinking about the situation he was in. Do I, do, not, do I not listen to what God has just said, realizing that a thousand feet down, he's going to die if he falls? He looked up and yelled, is there anyone else up there who can help me? <laughs> We are to trust God, aren't we? We have to trust God with our whole heart, even if we can't see what's ahead of us. God doesn't paint that picture for us of what's ahead. And that's the key word of what we're going to talk about today. The word T-R-U-S-T, trust, trust. Today we're beginning a brand new sermon series called Pleasant News Favorite Bible verses. I talked about that weeks ago and every one of you have given me your favorite Bible verses and 
I didn't know which one to start with, but I thought maybe I better start with my wife's first. She, hers needs to come first. That none of them are any more important than the rest of them, but this is one of my favorites. Not my favorite, but one of my favorites, one I memorized a long time ago. We're going to break this down and discuss, discuss each of your favorite Bible verses in this new sermon series. I'm praying that it will encourage you and strengthen you in your faith, you know, as well as edify each one of us as we discuss your favorite Bible verses. If you have your Bibles with you and you want to follow along with this verse, turn to the Old Testament book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter three of Proverbs. And if you'll look behind you, there is there is the illustrator, the picture of what our Bible sermon series there it is right here. Sometimes you don't have it up here. Maybe I just need to turn my head around and look. Pleasant View's favorite Bible verses. Today's, today's title is to walk with God is to truly trust God. And we're going to look at that today in Proverbs chapter 3 and in verses 5 and 6. Okay, This is the favorite passage of Jennifer Renee Beatty. Okay, That's your name, isn't it? Okay, this is her favorite Bible verse. And guess which one I'm going to do next Sunday? I don't know yet, okay? But uh, you'll find out. Daniel will be the first one to know because he gets the cheat sheets ahead of time so he can put all this stuff on the screen for your benefit and for yours out there as well. Now, there's a. I love giving you pop quiz questions. Are you ready for one? Here it is. Who wrote the majority of the book of Proverbs? Who wrote the majority of the book of Proverbs? Solomon, very good. Gary's been doing his homework. Kudos to Gary, okay? And he's, he's like, was there any ever any doubt? No, he knew. <laughs> no, Solomon, who was the son of King David, and his mother was Bathsheba, okay? 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 32 says that he wrote, he spoke 3,000 proverbs and 1,005 psalms, Okay? We don't have all of that in Scripture. Just what God decided what needed to be included in Scripture. The, now, the theme of the book of Proverbs is clearly stated in Proverbs 1-7. You don't have to turn back there. Daniel will have it on the screen. The theme of the entire book of Proverbs is, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Okay, It's wisdom for living right now. That is the theme of the book of Proverbs. No, every facet in human relationships is mentioned in the book of Proverbs. You name it, every aspect of life of what we go through and deal with in our lives is included in the book of Proverbs. Folly, sin, goodness, wealth, poverty, um, the tongue, we call the, the, the tongue today, okay? Pride, humility, justice, vengeance, okay? You can you'll find in Proverbs about strife, Gluttony, my goodness, don't American people have that problem with gluttony. You know, gluttony, love, lust, laziness. It talks about relationship with your friends, your family. It even talks about life and death. That is the comprises of the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs was written approximately 3,000 years ago, and it was, it was applicable then. It is just as applicable today in our lives. Now, the Hebrew term for proverb means a comparison, okay? It means a comparison. It came to be used as a moralistic announcement. 
many people think that the book of Proverbs was just miniature-sized, downsized, condensed parables, okay? We all heard about parables and what Jesus taught. Parables, okay? Uh, earthly stories with a heavenly meaning, but these are more practical in how we live today. Now, look on the screen here. The book of Proverbs are instructions on how to live a wise and practical life right now so we can be assured of rewards in the life that is still yet to come. Proverbs teaches us how to live wise lives right now. And Solomon starts in verse 8 of chapter 1, beginning with the precepts, the principles about wisdom. He begins discussing in that 8th verse on how to avoid bad company. We all have been taught and we all know in our Christian walk how we should avoid bad company. Then he talks about how to heed wisdom's advice. And then in chapter 2, the entire chapter, the second chapter of Proverbs, he talks about avoiding the adulteress. Okay? Now, beginning in chapter 3, where we're going to be at this morning, the first 12 verses, Solomon talks about trusting and honoring God. And here we go. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. Jennifer's favorite Bible verse. It's the truth, honey. That's your name, isn't it? My wife... <laughs> Let me put it to you like this. I had the idea of getting people, each one of you up here in front of the camera, putting you on the spot, having you read your verse. But I felt so bad. I knew one would not be too keen to it. So I decided, you know what? I'll leave you behind the camera. That's probably better off. Everybody wants to see my face anyway. So no, that's not. I, but no, I thought about that. But no, this is my wife's favorite Bible verse. Okay, look at it with me. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Or other versions say he will direct your path. It's the same thing, okay? I want you to notice the very first word in the, that this passage. Trust. T-R-U-S-T. That's what it means to me. Let's, let's start singing. Now, trust. Trust is the first word. I thought about that, you know, that's great, okay? It means to lie. Here it refers to lying helpless, face down. It pictures a, a, a servant in that time waiting for a master's command in readiness to obey. It also refers to a defeated soldier who yields himself to that conquering general, okay? This is what, what the word refers to here in, as trust. Solomon is saying here, to live a life of trust in God. Because Solomon found out, just like the rest of us do, that God was worthy and is worthy and can be trusted. Now, you, you know this, it is human nature. Every one of us have fallen prey to this. It is human nature to put our trust in something or someone else, isn't it? We have that human inclination. Examples, people put their trust in money, don't they? People put their trust in their jobs. If I get the highest paying job and I accumulate all this wealth, I can get all these possessions. I can have enough put away for that rainy day so I can retire and absolutely do nothing else for the next 20 or 30 years of my life. People put their trust in that. And we ought to plan. We ought to try to make decent money and to be able to plan ahead in our lives. But we're not to fully trust that. People put their trust in organizations or movements. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm, it, when, I, when I was dictating this down on paper, you know what? 
people put their movement, put their uh, their their uh, their whole lives in bank on Black Lives Matter. Well, yes, Black lives do matter, but according to God, there ain't the only lives that matter. All lives matter. Okay, that's what how Jesus felt. All lives matter. The organization in and of itself can't do a lickety split thing for you. It's 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 just all for themselves. It's not all for one and one for all for them. And there's other organizations, Antifa. All these organizations are man-made organizations, most of them that are inspired in a negative way. They do not look out for your own best interest. People put their trust in movements um, for social status, economic status, as I mentioned a minute ago. How about people put their trust in emotional status? Um, people today depend too much on the government, don't they? Maybe I can work less and have the government give me more. That's why we're in the shape we're in right now with inflation. We're not having economics 101 class here, but it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know the more the government prints money and gives out to the people, the taxpayers, somebody's got to pay for that. Okay? People put their trust in government. People, here we go, this hits real close to home. People put their trust in their own friends and family. And we ought to be able to have to be confiding your friends and family. But all these things I just listed, guess what's going to happen? Sooner rather than later, they're going to fail you. Even your own family, your own friends, if you put your trust in him, get ready for a great disappointment. We're all going, because we're just, we, we are sinners, all right? But we are saved by God's grace, but we are still yet sinners, and we're not perfect. We're not Jesus. We're going to fail from time to time, we're going to disappoint other people. Solomon is telling us to consciously put our trust in the Lord. Remember, God says that because you can do this because he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Then he says to trust in the Lord. How? How are we to trust in the Lord and with what? Two words in that passage. Your heart. Trust in the Lord with your heart. But here's the key. He didn't say trust in the Lord with some of your heart, not 25%, not 50%, not half of your heart, not 90% of your heart. He said trust in the Lord with what? All of your heart. Why? Why is should you trust in the Lord with all of your heart? If trust in God is to be true, it must be complete. Amen? It has to be complete in order to trust with a whole heart. If we put half our trust, a quarter of our, of our heart, even 99.9% of our heart, yeah, that still leaves a little opening, doesn't it? That one-tenth of a percent that we don't have complete trust in God. It's really a failure in our trust in the Lord with our whole heart. We should always strive to give God all of our conscious trust. Now, I would venture to say that most Christians, okay, most Christians at times have had trouble with these verses because they read these verses. Oh my gosh, I have to trust in the Lord, Solomon is saying, with my whole heart, with all of my heart. They fear that some part of their heart that's not truly trusting God. That's, I think, that's why they have trouble with these verses sometimes. Has it, has it ever been you? It has been to me. Have there been times you've not fully, completely, trusted the Lord with all of your heart. We all have been there. Shake your head. Yes. Nod it. No. Oh, yes. We have all been there. 
God, why? Why aren't you here when I need you? Where are you at, God? You ever asked that? I have before. God, why aren't you taking me out of the situation? God, take me out of this problem I'm going through. There's times of doubt. Now, we know and understand as Christians, we are imperfect beings, right? We won't be perfect until we take our last breath and we are in heaven. And then one day when we get that glorified body, we will be completely blameless and perfect without sin, just like Jesus is. But until then, <clears throat> we know it is impossible for us, for us to trust in the Lord perfectly because it just cannot happen. If you don't remember anything else, listen to this. Remember what I say to you right now. I don't believe Solomon here in this, these verses is describing an objectively perfect trust in God here. I don't think that's what he's getting at. He's describing for us to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. But listen to this. Here it is. With a heart and a life that doesn't consciously reject or defy God with unbelief. That's the difference. If you are trying and striving your very best and not, not on purpose trying to defy or disobey God because of, un, because of lack of trust. If you're doing that, then you're not trusting God with all your heart. But Christians are to strive to trust with all of our heart by being obedient servants of His. That's what he's getting at. One commentator said that trusting with all your heart is a childlike, unwavering confidence in our Father's well-proved wisdom, faithfulness, and love. Okay? Now, Solomon tells us the what not to do and the what you should do with trusting the Lord with all your heart. First of all, what we should not do is lean not on your own understanding. Okay? He tells you don't lean on your own understanding. If here, if we're going to trust God with all of our heart, we must decide to put away our own understanding. And thank God for that. Man, our understanding and God's are completely different. I don't understand what I'm doing half the time. You know, yesterday I got off work, picked the kids up, and I'm sitting here finishing this up on the computer. And man, I wanted to go lay down. I was so tired. I, I woke up and my hands were on the keyboard. I was asleep. Like, what am I doing here? I'm trying to under my own understanding, understand why don't I just stop this right now? I can pick it up later. But no, God says, you need to finish this up. Finish up what you started. And I like to try to finish what I started. I don't like to leave things incomplete. But my understanding and God's understanding, maybe I have a poor illustration, are completely different. His ways, God's plans, they are perfect. Us, ours, are imperfect. Our motivations, our attitudes, and our actions, they are imperfect. The Bible talks about this in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. He says, For my thoughts, God says, are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And then in Proverbs, and a few chapters later, in chapter 16, verses 3 and verse 9, Solomon says, Commit your works to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Then verse 9, The mind of man plans his way. But guess what? You can do all that you want, but the Lord directs his steps. Okay? Because 
leaning on our own understanding is probably more than likely not God's way, not his understanding. Remember, trying to do things our way, trying to be self-sufficient, do things on our own, apart from God, will leave us in ruins. You, you leave God out, you're gonna, you're gonna, it's going to be a dismal failure every single time. It's been the ruin of mankind since the fall of Adam and Eve. They tried to do it their way, didn't they? After God told them what not to do, what they do? They listened to the enemy. They went with their own understanding. And what happened? Because of that, we all have to die because of their defiance of what God told them not to take and partake of that fruit. Okay? It's that grand sin to try to live independently from God, looking upon your own understanding. That in and of itself, doing that, the lost person tries to live on their own understanding. They never make it to the foot of the cross of Jesus. They ultimately die a death, and then later they're going to experience a second death, the lake of fire, because they went on their own understanding, thinking, I don't need God. I don't need your son, Jesus. I don't need his blood. I don't need your forgiveness. I can go on my own way, separate from you and my own understanding. It doesn't work. We need to choose to trust God and His understanding. Now, especially that that's declared in God's Word, all right? Now, instead of relying on your own understanding, Solomon says, just do the opposite. Do it in all your ways, he says, acknowledge Him. Acknowledge Him. When we trust in God with all of our heart, we'll result in honoring and acknowledging Him in all that we do. We're choosing to invite God into our everyday life. We should invite God, not just on Sunday mornings or anytime you're in God's house, the off days, Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturday, every part of your daily life, invite God, okay? Starting your day in prayer. I try to, even if it's just a few 30 seconds to 45 seconds to a minute, wake up before I plant my feet on the floor. I thank God for waking me up, protecting us through the night, thanking Him for the new day that He gave us and that I'll be glad in, as the Scripture says. And then all that I do, I'm honoring Him. I thank Him for that, and then I get up and go about my day. And then don't stop there throughout the day. Include God. Thank you, God, for what you're doing so far today. I pray for my coworkers, for our safety. I pray for my family. You know, Jennifer, take going to work, taking the girls to school, taking them to Nana and Papa's for their safety, for Nana and Papa on the girls' safety, for my church family, everybody today, my family, my close friends, my coworkers, keep us all safe. Include that in your daily walk, in the middle of work, or whatever you're doing. You know, also being salt and light, as he called us to be. In your work, doesn't mean you can't be salt and light. Be an example, be a good witness to somebody. You know, in your attitudes and your affections and in your motivations. Someone once said, we should, we should ask counsel at his mouth, aim at his glory, be evermore in the sense of his presence and light of his countenance. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Why? What is the result of acknowledging him in all your ways with a trust of your whole heart? He says, God will make your paths, what? Crooked, upward, downward, side to side? No, he says, I'll direct your paths straight. As straight as this aisleway is heading to that 
entrance door of this church. I guess it's pretty straight. Yeah, whoever did that, they did a pretty good job. Straight path, okay? Not a roller coaster path, a direct straight path. He will bake your paths straight. This is what happens to those who will trust in him and acknowledge him in all your ways will allow God to direct our paths in the fulfillment of his will. If we'll open up and let give to God and let God, as they say, guess what? You allow God to work then. There's nothing, there's no blockage, no roadblock in that path between what God's plan and God's path is for your life. He can do all that with relative ease if you'll allow him to, to fully trust in him. I'm sure there are many Christians who are here, or here today who are afraid to have God direct their paths. Let's face it, God doesn't, I said earlier, doesn't paint a picture for us of what's going to happen to us next month or next year. If we're going to be alive then, what God's going to have us do for his kingdom's work, many times it's a mystery. We know the end result, but that in-between time is very gray, isn't it? We don't know. And sometimes it can be very scary. God, you want me to do what? Here's some examples. Because many times we want to direct our own paths, don't we? We think we know what's best for us, but we really don't. God knows our hearts better than we know our own heart. Here's some examples after a drink of water. God, you want me to take this job that's less pay so that I can devote more time to the local missionary work that you want me to be part of? God, don't you know? Why are you asking me to do that? Don't you know I have a bunch of bills that are waiting for me to be paid? Less pay, I may fall behind on my bills. Why do you want me to do that, God? How about this one? You want me to tell that close family member that lost mom or dad or grandparent, a lost your lost child, about Jesus? Even though I know I'm supposed to do that, if I do that, that close family member, they don't, they don't believe in you, God. They certainly hate everything there is about Christianity. If I do that, I'm going to offend them. And if I offend them, they may disown me. They may get harsh with me. And if they do that, I may get disinherited. I may have a bunch of money coming to me, but if I upset them enough, they're going to disinherit me. I can't do that, God. Why would you want me to, to, to sacrifice a good thing that's going in the relationship? Another example. God, you want me to speak up when no one else will at that local city council meeting or county board meeting? of a proposed law that they got on got on the paper that they want to bring into law that's an unjust and ungodly law. You want me to speak up at that meeting? I'll be the laughing stock of the world. God, you want me to you want me to be the laughing stock of the world? Not only that, I'll be marginalized. I'll be persecuted. I'll be ousted. We're having that too much today. Uh, being canceled or standing up for what's right. God, why would you want me to do those things? Like I said, God doesn't give us that picture. It's all about obedience. Many times we look for that easy path, don't we? The easy way out seems the best. And I'll tell you this right now. This wasn't in, in here for me to say, but it just now come upon me. And we're praying for October 1st. I don't know if the church has ever done anything at, to, at this kind of level, this presentation. There's been socials in the past. 
and they didn't go over so well. Why, I don't know. But God put this on my heart quite some time ago to do this. We all want it to work out, right? We want it, we want it to be a success. I'm a little nervous about it. What if we don't hardly get anybody? And even if we don't, I think we will. I think we'll get 50 to 75 people. If we get more, praise be to God. But if we don't, I'm still obey, obeying the master. Because the, the God who speaks by the American Family Association, the founder, Don Wyman said, God has said that we are to be faithful even when we may not be successful. We still have to be faithful. But you got to take that step forward, don't you? The easy thing to do would be, you know what? COVID's on the rise and the flu season's coming and we'll give us more time. Let's push it off until next year. Heck no. We're going to move forward with it. Unless God has something different in mind. We're going to go through, unless we're raptured. We're raptured. Who cares about the video? <laughs> it don't matter then. But if not, we're going to carry on with this. We're going to be obedient to God. Even though it takes a little extra work, that's what we're going to do. Taking that path, okay, reveals a heart that doesn't fully trust in the Lord if you're going about things in your own way. It's a, oh my goodness, it's a surrendered, I hope you can't hear that. My daughter's yelling back there in the bathroom. Never mind, you probably can't hear it. Anyway, there's all kinds of stuff that goes on on the front of this pulpit. You wouldn't believe what I see and what I hear. It's kind of comical sometimes. So I'm getting, I get a lot of deer to headlight looks. Anyway, okay. It's a surrendered heart that delights in God's direction and in his path. All right, amen. Now, we pretty much, I usually always give you in closing, some major points, application on what this means to us. I pretty much just told you what it means. If you weren't listening, shame on you. Go back and watch the video later, okay? However, though, I want, do want to close with one of the most fundamental questions in the Christian faith. And I bet you have asked this question to yourself or to others. And you maybe even asked this question. Here it is. How can I know, how can I know the will of God? in my life. You ever asked that? How can I know the will of God in my life? Solomon pretty much gave the fundamental steps in these verses. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. He did. Decide, and I think I gave this step to you, Daniel, didn't I? Yeah, he's a little behind. Here it is. How to know God's will? In these verses, put our trust in the Lord. Decide not to trust in our own understanding. Give attention and priority to God's word and decide to acknowledge and honor God in everything that we do. If you read those verses, that right there are the fundamental principles on how to know God's will. And if you'll do those and pray to God about it, he will show you. As the previous pastor of this church said, you mean business with God, he'll mean business with you. I remember when he said it how true that is. When we strive to do those things, we can have that assurance and that trust that God will direct our paths, that he will make our paths completely straight. We can go forward in our lives in peace, believing 
through His Word, through guidance, through uh, leading of the Holy Spirit, through wise counsel of fellow Christians, that's so important. Using godly common sense. I hope we got common sense. We do. Using godly common sense and then also through your life's experiences. God will direct our paths. We have to come to realize that we've been in the right. When we do that, you'll come to realize you've been in that right path, God's path, all along. Now, in closing, I got a, a story here that ties in with this verse, okay? It was a cold winter's evening in a small village in Germany. A little girl was born. Her parents had her christened into the Lutheran faith. We were talking about that earlier, the Lutheran faith. I'm not going to say no more, okay? That was off uh, microphone, okay? Anyway, she was christened to the Lutheran faith. They took her to a church at Christmas and Easter. They were the two-time-a-year Christians, okay? All right? And in her mid-teens, she attended Bible classes and was confirmed. But as she grew up, religious morals just didn't suit her. After all, hadn't school taught her that the evolutionary process leaves all things to chance and that everyone has the right to do as they please? So who was the church to make rules about wrong and right, she thought. She explained to her parents that science opposed the existence of absolute standards and decided to find her, her own way. Her name is Margaret. She said, this is my life, and this is the story she tells. At age 19, she said, I met a young man from a faraway country. We were married after just two short months of dating, and after another two years, left for his home in Australia. At age 39, I had two small children. My husband had started a successful communication business, and I was practicing at a... Uh, Oh my goodness, I thought I had to, I had to pronounce this morning. I pronounce it, pronounce it now. I was practicing as a naturopath and a clinical hypotherapist, a hypnotherapist. There we go. All right. One day, two lovely ladies from New Tribes Mission came to see me as clients. And being curious, I asked them about their faith. I had turned to New Age concepts. And I was always interested in the beliefs of others, she said. One of the ladies produced a little black Bible and it read a particular verse. She said, I didn't object to a God of love, but I really did not understand the verse she told me. And then she continued with a verse about sin. She said that no one is righteous because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Stop right there, she said. I'm not a sinner. I'm not a liar or a thief or a murderer. To the contrary, I try to help people and be nice to them. The woman, the woman was wise and didn't argue back. Instead, she read from Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6 that said, All of us like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, that, that is Jesus, the iniquity, the sin of us all. She thought, thank you for this faithful servant of God. The Holy Spirit used this portion of Scripture to convict me of sin, she said to herself. She said, I felt so uncomfortable at that moment, I couldn't wait to get rid of these women. So she ushered them out. I tried to forget about the whole experience, she said, but it didn't work. The thoughts about sin kept coming back to mind, and I soon realized that sin was essentially self-will and therefore rebellion against God. The more I thought about it, the more I realized that I had a dilemma on my hands. If this God of the Bible was real, 
he would send me to hell. So I wondered how I could know whether he really existed. Finally, I asked him to show me, not knowing what to expect. I neither heard a voice nor did I have an ecstatic experience. But by the end of that evening, I could no longer carry my burden. I fell to my knees and cried out to God, shedding tears of shame and tears of sorrow for causing him so much pain. But there was also tears of joy because I realized that I had been forgiven. My debt was paid and I was set free to live a new life in God. This is how I was born again and became his child on March 28, 1983. A couple more paragraphs here. Now I had life, she said. I'd been so blind, but now I could see. And what I saw was a huge mission field, starting with my own family. I, eager, I eagerly read the Bible, and the Lord took me to a study group where I learned about God's principles for family life. I decided to put His Word to the test and exchange my, exchange my feminist ideas for the role of godly wife and mother. I learned to be more submissive, to give my husband his rightful place as head of the family and to treat my children as gifts from God to be nurtured and treasured. This was hard in all caps. She said, this was very hard, but God was faithful and gracious. One year later, my husband experienced that new birth as well. We were both baptized in a Baptist church and our children were excited about this powerful, loving God they were hearing so much about. I also reconsidered my approach to helping people and abandoned the the all new ages practices, retaining only what was compatible with the Bible, she said. As the years passed, my husband's business became too much for us and was sold through very unusual circumstances, which were clearly, clearly an answer to prayer. We homeschooled our children and moved out to the country where I continued my practice. The Lord took us through many painful experiences along the way, but despite these trials, we can say with certainty that God is good. Our children have grown to be strong in Christ and are now involved in their own Christian endeavors. I can certainly testify to the fact that Jesus Christ does all things oh so well. Then she closes, my favorite Bible verse fits our situation perfectly. And it's Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And if you do that in all of your ways, you acknowledge him and he'll do what? He'll direct, he'll make your paths straight. Now, lastly, I'm gonna read what Jennifer wrote of what those verses mean to her. And this was so good, listen to this. By trusting in God, he will show you the right path to take. God sees the bigger picture before we do, and he knows what lies ahead of us. God is trustworthy and faithful and expects us to trust him with all of our hearts. God wants to make sure we are on the right path. And when we are intimate with God, we give him access to our lives. God's ways are perfect and he makes our ways secure and righteous. The way we live our lives should reflect God's ways. Blessings for trusting God instead of our understanding. We need to follow God's way in every situation. If we do that, He will lead, which will lead to peace and prosperity. God is in charge and can bring good 
out of an unpleasant situation. God is always with us. He will never leave you. Couldn't have said it any better myself. Let's bow together in prayer. speaking to the listening audience this morning, whenever this may be uploaded, whenever it is, we talked about trust. What are you trusting in? That is such a powerful word. The Bible is very clear. Anything else that you trust in in this world, even the closest people to you, many times will fail you. It may not be on purpose. Sometimes it's accidental because we live in a sin-filled, fallen world. Even Christians, I fail all the time. I'm not going to go in detail and tell you, you don't want to hear it. But I fail all the time because of the sin-filled world that we're in. But the difference is, a long time ago, I took my trust away from the things of the world and put my trust in my Creator, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, who died that ultimate horrible, made that ultimate sacrifice for my sins and your sins and the sins of the entire world. Maybe everything else you tried isn't working for you in this life and you realize that you're at the end of your rope. You're a sinner. We're all sinners and in need of a Savior. That's why Jesus came. No one else would listen in the annals of history to the prophets, to the teachers. So God said, I'm going to make the ultimate sacrifice. I'm going to go in human flesh. And that flesh was the Lord Jesus Christ, born 2,000 years ago as a virgin, who came to tell the good news of that free gift of salvation you can have that was offered to us for free, but it cost His one and only begotten Son a horrific death on that old rugged cross because he was the only one who was capable, worthy enough because he was sinless. He was God in the flesh. He took your sins and my sins and the sins of the entire world. He nailed them on the cross of Jesus Christ to be forever forgiven. Maybe you need forgiveness this morning because your trust in everything else has failed and you realize you're a sinner and need of a savior. You can put your trust in the one who died for you as we talked about this morning. If you're at that point in your life right now and God's Holy Spirit is working on you, telling you the time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Don't hold it off. You can say this simple prayer with me right now, silently in your heart or out loud with me, knowing God is listening and He is listening with open arms, ready to accept you as one of His children, to adopt Him into the family, His family of God. Say this prayer with me right now. Dear God, thank you for loving me. And I know that I have sinned against you in so many ways. And I'm truly sorry for those sins in my life. But I believe what I heard today, that you love me so much. You sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins. Taking the punishment I deserve for my sins in my life. And I'm trusting in what Christ and Christ alone did on an old rugged cross to save me from my sins. Thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. 
And I'm praying right now, you will help me spend the rest of my life serving you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And if you prayed that prayer and you really meant it with all your heart, you are now a child of God. The trust in the things of the world were things of the past. All the sins you committed in the past are been forgiven. The Bible says God will never bring them up again. He will throw them as far as the east is from the west into the sea of forgetfulness, never ever choosing to bring those past sins up. The world will, but you've done been forgiven of them. Your job now is to put your full trust, your full weight upon through faith in what God has done for you and that what He has promised one day, eternal life with Him forever and ever in a new heaven, a new earth that is still yet to come. Be obedient in your new walk with Christ. And the first thing you want to do is give a testimony. What that basically is, is you're going to tell closest friends, family, anyone and everyone about what Christ just did for you. It can be a scary thing, but that great joy you'll have, we all felt it when we first accepted Christ as Savior, strengthened us, encouraged us, hopefully gave you boldness to tell everyone, out of not out of hatred, not out of being better than anyone else or no better than the next person. I'm no better than anyone else. In our, we're just sinners, but we've been saved by God's amazing grace. Tell people out of love of what Jesus just did, and by doing so, you're planting a seed that could, and watered it down, leaving room for that person potentially to receive salvation by God's Holy Spirit through the sacrificial blood of Jesus, death of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's being obedient. Tell them anyone and everyone of what Christ just did for you. And then don't walk away and just go about your life. Oh no, it, there's more. Make sure you get into a Bible-believing church that teaches the whole counsel of God's Word. The entire Bible, they teach from everything from Genesis to the maps. They don't cherry pick scripture to what is going on in the culture to make you feel good, to inspire you. Yes, we want encouragement. We want to be built up as Christians, but we also realize the roots where we come from. They better teach about sin and what sin has done. That's the reason this world is in the shape it's in. S-I-N, a sin fallen world. It's a struggle in the Christian walk, but you can have trusting in the Lord with all of your heart, knowing that God is going to direct and straighten straighten those paths for you for the rest of your life. Get into that Bible-believing church that teaches the whole counsel of God's Word. Just like this church, Pleasant View Missionary Baptist. Our information is on our Facebook page or on our website, pbbaptistchurch.org, where we have uh, previous, all kinds of different sermons on there from the past. Our statement of faith is on there. Keep uh, keep us um, on your favorites or whatever they call it on Facebook. Uh, we've got things coming up. I mentioned earlier on October 1st, some events coming up for us to try to let people know, hey, it ain't just the big churches doing things. Little churches like this one can be just as powerful and try to reach people in the community to tell them about God's Word and how powerful it is and how true it is. Check us out on our website or on Facebook. If you can't get into this church, get into another Bible-believing church that teaches the whole counsel of God's Word. And now we have something a little bit different I'll add to you. If you made that decision in Christ, in Christ alone today for the forgiveness of sins, we want to hear from you, okay? 
Take that next step in your Christian walk and contact us by visiting the address that will be at the bottom of your screen, pvmb, that's for Pleasant View Missionary Baptist.me forward slash contact. Click on that. It will take you to our contact page. You'll fill out that information, submit it in to Brother Daniel, and by doing so, saying, I trusted in Christ, I prayed that prayer, we'll see. we've got a Bible for you, a Gideon's Bible, along with some different pamphlets, some literature on what it means to be a Christian, on how to face the things in this world, things that will help encourage you in your new walk. Check us out on that website. Please fill out that information so we can hear from you. Father God, I pray this morning that no one, the sound of my voice or any other great teacher of faith that put out that call of invitation of salvation, I pray that no one would resist that call today and not listen to the enemy, but say no to Satan and yes to God. I pray no one would resist that call. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.